Alright, so Roshar is a big, big, big world. There are a lot of people, and the Stormlight Archive is Brandon Sanderson's biggest, most epic work. So, as a result, there are a lot of groups, a lot of factions, spread out over the three hulking Stormlight books we've got so far. Uh, this week, we're going to take a look at the many factions of Roshar, just kind of go down the list and take a look at who they are, because there are a lot. So, spoilers ahead for the entire Stormlight Archive up until Oathbringer. Alright, so let's get started with the big ones, the primary forces of the war. Obviously, we have the Knights Radiant under Dalinar Colon, which consists of uh, Dalinar, Kaladin, Shallan, Renarin, Zeth, Lopin, Teft, Lift, and Yasna. Also, to an extent, Talonal and Shalash, the Heralds, but they are... Eh, it's tricky to say where, what exactly they will be able to do. We definitely will see more of them in the back half. But, of course, there's also the uh, Alethi armies, uh, the forces that they've got underneath the Radiants. Uh, the big goals right now are to stop the True Desolation and uh, Odium's forces by uniting the Radiants and the nations of the world. There's both too much and too little to talk about here, because they are the story that we have been following for the vast majority of the series. And, uh, you know, they're the humans, they're fighting to keep Odium's forces away, but they're also struggling with the question of whether they even deserve to be on Roshar, given that they were the original Voidbringers. Currently, uh, they are following the philosophy of the first ideal, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination. We can move straight into Odium's forces. Uh, the Well, I guess they are the Voidbringers now, just by, just by the way we're calling them. At the lowest level, we have the Listeners and the Singers, the Foot Soldiers, formerly Parshman and Parshendi, who are furious at humanity for enslaving them. These people were the original inhabitants of Roshar, along with all of the many other shelled creatures that originally existed, which is why, you know, humans are the odd people out when it comes to not having shells and all those kinds of things. Uh, next in line are the Fused, the immortal spirits of listeners who have been given void light. They are essentially cognitive shadows in similar way that the Heralds are, in that these are spirits that continue to come back into uh, various singer bodies without actually dying. So they are all a little messed up. Along with the Fuse, we also have now Moash, a.k.a. Vire, who has successfully killed a Herald and basically is the worst. Basically, the top level of Odium's forces are his Unmade, the powerful spren that have all sorts of incredible powers and are in various states, uh, working with him, trapped by Dalinar, missing, trying to defect. Odium is not working at full capacity anymore. Uh, Moalok, the source of the death rattles, tends to move around, while Nergaul, known for the thrill, has been captured by Dalinar Colon in a gem. Ba-Ado-Mishram, a dangerous commander capable of giving void light to the singers, is still missing in action, uh, presumably having been captured way back when uh, at the False Desolation. Well, uh, Ray Shapir, the Midnight Mother, has fled Erythiru after Shallan drove her away. Ashurtmarn, the Heart of the Revel, was last seen corrupting the Kolinar Oathgate and breaking down the Alethi Elite, while uh, Yelignar the Blightwind was last seen taking over Meridus Amaram at the Battle of Thalen Field before he fell. There are still several Unmade out there, though we know little about them, beyond what's in the Mythica that sort of shows up in some of the epigraphs to Oathbringer. And then of course there is Odium himself, the Shard who is basically hatred or passion and we know his goal in the short term is to just continue the true desolation and destroy humanity on Roshar, presumably kill cultivation, and eventually escape from his prison on Braze, the nearby planet. On a Cosmere scale, he's got a lot more going on, but that's less relevant to this discussion, uh, since we're kind of focusing just on the Stormlight stuff right now. 
After his attempt to turn Dalinar Colon into his champion failed, Odium has struck a deal with Taravangian of Carbron to read the diagram and gain a massive upper hand. Somewhere in the middle are Venli and Sja Anat. I don't know if I'm saying that last one right. Uh, they're not allied together, but these two are separate members of Odium's forces that have shown interest in switching sides. Venli, the sister of Eshenai, has bonded a Spren to become a will shaper, which is something unheard of. Uh, usually non-humans were never able to bond Spren and become Radiance. It seems clear by the end of Oathbringer that she has become disillusioned with the fury of Odium and the Fused, and in Stormlight 4 we will get uh, Eshenai flashbacks and presumably Venli in the present trying to figure herself out. Saja Anat is the unmade capable of corrupting Spren. We see her trying to interact with Shallan uh, in the Kolinar sequence and telling her that she wishes to defect. We're not sure if she's totally on the level, but that seems to be the goal right now. Allied with Odium are most of the Skybreakers, led by Nail, uh, the Herald of Justice and the only Herald to join his own Order of Radiance. The only Radiance who never broke their oaths, they have the Surges of Gravitation and Division, so they can perform all the flight tricks of the Windrunners, as well as the apparently devastating power to turn stuff into dust or flame. We haven't seen a lot of them beyond sort of Zeth's training sequences in Oathbringer, but we know that the Skybreakers are out there and are kind of fanatics about justice and law. By the end of Oathbringer, Nail has convinced all of them but Zeth to team with Odium, believing in the letter of the law that the Singers have the right to Roshar. Interestingly, we know that Helleran Devar tried and failed to become a Skybreaker. Ah, and then of course we come to Hoyd. We've seen him as the King's Wit interact meaningfully now with Kaladin, Shallan, Dalinar, Adolin, and Yasna, and he's clearly interested in the goings-on of Roshar. While Hoyd appears to be working roughly alongside the good guys, he's made clear to Dalinar that he is willing to watch Roshar burn if it means getting what he wants. Best we can guess, what he wants is to see Odium destroyed. He sent and received letters to multiple shards and at least one dragon in an attempt to recruit their aid, and has been largely unsuccessful so far. He's taken a special interest in helping Shallan through her troubles, especially uh, some of their sequences in Oathbringer are so powerful. But uh, as far as we can tell, he also survives the events of the first five Stormlight books, if that was ever in question. Because uh, even if we don't know what totally happened, on a Cosmere timeline, he later shows up during the Wax and Wayne Mistborn Era 2 books. A complete mystery, as always, but a delight in every chapter, especially the epilogues, which I think will go down as some of the most uh, memorable passages in all of Sanderson's work. Bouncing from Hoyd, we get to the other uh, bunch of world hoppers, the 17th Shard. They're not around a whole bunch, but they are around. We've seen three members in the first interlude of the Way of Kings, where they are apparently searching for Hoyd in the Pure Lake. Hoyd has set a false trail for them, though, so it's likely that they are mostly unsuccessful, but uh, they're present to a degree. They're there. They're hanging out. Plus, uh, Chris, the scholar, and her companion Naz are definitely around, studying the magic systems of Roshar as best as they can. We don't know a whole lot about the Shin Stone Shamans, but uh, we know that they are behind Zet's truthless status and the fact that he's walking around trained in an honor blade. They somewhat seem to be kind of out of the way and uh, not very accessible. They don't like using uh, span reads, for example. But at the same time, the Shin possess all eight honor blades uh, left behind that aren't uh, Yezrians or Tons, which are the uh, still kind of missing in action. As we understand it, Zed was made truthless for claims about Surgebinders and Voidbreakers returning. 
though we're not sure of the exact details. We will probably get them in Book 5, which will probably be called uh, Stones Unhallowed, unless, uh, you know, Pat Rothfuss comes out with Doors of Stone around that time. We will see. Zeth also seems oddly confident that if somebody killed him, the Stone Shamans would have no trouble kind of coming back and retrieving the Honor Blade from the one who did, which is, which is pretty powerful. Uh, their decision to put Zeth kind of out in the wild, as well as Shinovar's status as the place most similar to other planets, means we'll most likely see a lot more of them, both in Zeth's book and in as we sort of understand the origin of humanity on Roshar. The Sons of Honor include Gavilar Colin, Meredith Amaram, a Storm Warden named Rastares, and a few others, uh, except for the ones who, who are dead now. But their goals uh, are or were to bring back the Listener Gods in an attempt to bait the Heralds into returning and restore power to the Vorin Church. Presumably this comes from Gavilar receiving the visions from Honor, um, which refer to him as, as, as the Son of Honor, with the same visions that Dalinar eventually gets. Um, obviously now they've been a little scattered, what with Amaram eating the unmade crystal and being killed in Oathbringer, but uh, nevertheless, the fact that Gavilar Colon was a member says a lot. Restares and the rest are still out there, but we're not sure where their goals are going to go now. They are somewhat related to another group, the Envisagers, at least in basic goals. These are uh, the cult that Teft's family was once a part of before he turned them in. He describes them as such. Kind of a cult. Thought if they found a way to return the Voidbringers, the Knights Radiant would return. They knew about things like surge binding. They thought people would manifest power if they put their lives in danger. Pushed off cliffs, candle burning that was tied to a rope until it dropped a rock. Uh, betrayed by Teft to the City Lord, so far as we know, they are all gone. Then another one of the sort of more mysterious factions, the Ghostbloods, are the strange organization that the Devar family has managed to get entwined with. We have mostly interacted with Mraze and his Babsk Ayatil, which are some crazy words to say in a sentence, but uh, she wears the mask of the Southern Skadrians from Mistborn, but uh, her original home was Silverlight, the uh, city of the 17th Shard. Mraze, as we know, is a world hopper um, who curiously reminds Shallan a little of Hoid, and he refers to a uh, Master Thidakar, who we haven't met yet. We've yet to find out how Helleron Devar was involved with them too, uh, we know that they know about Teravangian's diagram, and they suspect that the god-king of Emul, who we know to be Ishar, uh, is not a human. So they haven't quite figured it out yet, but uh, that's something out there. As an organization, we know they go well beyond Roshar. They recruit actively from the field agents of the 17th Shard, and their name is somehow rooted in deep Cosmere events. As far as their goals, at this point, uh, they've kind of evolved. Initially, it was to discover the secrets of the Desolation and the Parshendi, which eventually evolved into infiltrating Erythiru, cleansing it of the Midnight Mother, and eventually trying to recruit Saja Anat, the unmade who wants to defect. Despite the fact that they seem connected to everyone, much of Shallan's family, the enemies of Yasna, the Sons of Honor, we're not sure exactly what they're trying to accomplish in the long run, but it's definitely got something to do with harnessing the power of the Voidbringers to some end. Uh, this likely extends to a conflict that goes beyond Roshar. Their philosophy seems to be one based entirely on power and loyalty, with morality not really factoring into things. And we come now to the Diagram, probably my favorite group in the Stormlight Archive. They are led by Teravangian, the King of Carbron. At some point in the past, Teravangian learned of the coming desolation, probably from the Herald Batar, who now serves as one of his ardents, or by Gavilar himself. We know that Gavilar definitely told Teravangian about his visions on the night of the famous feast, 
and after Gavilar's death, Teravangian went to the Night Watcher, asking for the capacity to save the world. In return, he got a variable intelligence that's inversely proportional to his empathy. On a day of near omnipotence, he predicted much of the future and realized a master plan to protect his people from the coming desolation, which he wrote all over his bedroom. With his variable intelligence, though, uh, Teravangian and his people, notably a woman named Adratagia and a bodyguard named Rall, decide to follow the diagram, which was eerily good at predicting the future, though not perfect. Essentially, it involved a master plan to put Teravangian in charge of the world, able to sacrifice the necessary people in order to guarantee humanity's survival. Part of this plan was to obtain a Truthless of Shinovar, uh, Teravangian managed to find Zed's son son Valano's Oathstone, and uh, then kill important figures all over the world, causing a power struggle that Teravangian could step into and benefit from, under the guise of the helpful, kind of slow king with medics who could help like a twisted Doctors Without Borders. From there, after Zeth failed in his mission to kill Dalinar at the Battle of Narak, uh, Teravangian joined Dalinar's coalition and attempted to undermine him before and during the Battle of Dalin Field by revealing that the humans were the Voidbringers and uh, by sabotaging Dalinar's forces at Dalin City. When this ultimately failed, he was visited by Odium and struck a deal to reveal the diagram to Odium in exchange for the protection of Carbron. The diagram itself predicted a whole lot. We know that Teravangian was aware of Yasna's surge binding before Oathbringer, and even predicted the Radiance rising again. Somehow, he knew about binding Spren and the ideals of the Radiance. Um, we know that Graves and the entire plot to kill Elokar in Words of Radiance, they were part of the diagram, though not uh, directly part of the plan. We know that di the diagram is also aware of Mraze and the Ghostbloods, but one of the quotes from it shows that even sort of uber Teravangian was not able to figure out what Hoyt is, who he's, what he's doing, Pretty funny. Uh, the philosophy of the diagram is brutally pragmatic, in that it's about the destination before the journey, and somebody needs to be willing to bear the sins. Teravangian takes that upon himself, fully aware of the pain that he's causing, of the fact that he is sinning, but he believes that it is absolutely necessary. This is, of course, diametrically opposite to the uh, radiant view of uh, journey before destination, which is a just a just a, such a cool comparison. Coming to the end here, we have the Imians. The Imians are a strange faction on Roshar that appear to be native to the land, but we're not sure how to place them. There are two kinds, the Sia Amians, who are like Axes the Collector, who we meet in the interludes to Way of Kings. Uh, they can change their shape at will, as well as the uh, Sleepless, the hive minds made of Kremlings. We've seen them a few times. Um, Axes is one who seems to be recording all types of Spren. But there's also the Sleepless in the Oathbringer interlude, who kills an entire crew to prevent them from finding the island of Akina. Meanwhile, Lyft faces off against another Sleepless in Edge Dancer. We know that Aimea was at some point scoured in the last generation, leading to the near extinction of many species like the Larkin, so nobody considers them a real threat. Also, uh, notably, we will see them play a major role in Mistborn Era 4, the space opera, but that is a long way away. When asked if the Dissian Amians were agents of cultivation or another group that we've seen, Sanderson said yes, kind of, to both, so whatever that means. We know that they're the ones writing the back cover blurbs to all of the Stormlight books, it's all in-world, uh, which means that they are following the Radiance closely for some reason. They suggest that one of them will be able to destroy the world and one will be able to save them, we don't know what they know, they are super crazy mysterious. Now, obviously, we've come to the end of this long, long list. None of this is taking into account the human government factions, the mere many dozens of governments of humans on Roshar. Uh, but allied with Dalinar's Alethi are the Thalen people, and he seems to have the ear of the Azish Prime Yenagon. 
with the dissolution of the Coalition, uh, Yakovet and Carbronth are no longer Team Alethkar, while other governments like Herdaz, Makabak, and the Pure Lakers are still unknown. Uh, Emol is being run by the Herald Ishar and is caught in a war with Takar. We don't know where they stand, but, uh, yeah, whew. As of now, there is definitely a lot going on, and I'm sure some of it, at least some of it, is going to come up uh, by the time we wrap up Stormlight 5, but we will just have to find out. Um, I hope this was a useful refresher, and uh, thanks for listening.